Well, hello and welcome to What's Brewing, CISFA. What's Brewing, CISFA is a podcast produced for the California Community College's Student Financial Aid Administrators Association. I'm your host, Dennis Schrader. I serve as the 2021-2022 CISFA past president. As this episode is being recorded during the busy part of the day, I've given Dana, my co-host, a break from recording. So it's just you and me today here with the news. Let's get this thing going. And again, welcome to another episode of What's Brewing CISFA. Let's get the show started with our first cup. I have to say my first cup was already long gone. Uh, I needed to get my coffee in early this morning for a couple back-to-back meetings. Uh, So now it's just sparkly water from here until the end of the day. So we'll have our news today, and there's not a whole lot of news because, as you know, last weekend was the Thanksgiving weekend. So not a whole lot of stuff came out. A little bit of news, obviously, on the sports fronts. Uh, depending upon the team or teams you follow, hopefully your team won some games or uh, traded for the right players. But it's a it's a mixed bag out there for those in Southern California, let alone Northern California, let alone across the U.S. So hopefully you enjoyed your Thanksgiving weekend rather uh, rather well. Uh, whether you're just eating. You got to see some family and friends, started your shopping, maybe started early, maybe watched some football, pro, then college, then pro games again, and of course, we got basketball and other sports going on too. Let's get right into today's news though. Like I said, we don't have a whole lot, so we may just have a single first cup episode here. And then move into our ending. So from Federal Student Aid, posted just last week, uh, there was an electronic announcement put out, number uh, 21-78, that studentaid.gov has some enhancements and modifications coming around this month. So actually, they're already done because this is the end of November. So several uh, features were updated or added this month to studentaid.gov and the My Student Aid mobile app, including Aiden, the virtual assistant. So Aiden, A-I-D-A-N, can answer most common questions about federal student aid and guide people through to the correct information and resources. Uh, With this release, they say they added or improved responses relating to the federal student aid estimator, loan servicer transfers, that's big, obviously, because uh, loan servicers have been changing and and such, or will be. Uh, Information about total and permanent disability discharge for student loans. Public service loan forgiveness, that's a big topic. And, of course, about the federal student aid ID process. Along with that, updates to that public service loan forgiveness help tool was added. Um, So there's additional information and guidance about the limited waiver opportunity at hand. Uh, Also updated the tool so that the 
manually enter employer link appears only on the final page of the employer search. And this will encourage hopefully borrowers to view all of the employer search results and select employers that are already in the database. This will help also, you know, reduce some wait times for borrowers who use the tool and may have to call in for help. The loan simulator uh, is updated and provides users with specific details on repayment. Um, uh, and it says when a user enters a monthly payment amount that is higher than any payment required in particular. So it's been improved here. Lastly, customer surveys. Uh, they've added some opportunities for customers to do some survey on uh, and feedback on use of the website. So these are all coming out of uh, this general an electronic announcement from just last week about all our updates to sudenaid.gov and the MySudenaid mobile app. I'll give you a link to the FSA partner page that has this electronic announcement in our show notes. Also on the federal front, for those who are looking far ahead for the 2022-2023 federal uh, aid cycle, um, availability of the application and verification guide for the 22-23 cycle is now here. So this is, in a sense, like the first part of the overall Federal Student Aid Handbook. So there's volumes on school eligibility, student eligibility, packaging, recalculating, uh, like for withdrawals and stuff, running your campus-based aid, and then separately, the application and verification guide. At the school level, at the very minimum, we use the verification part of that when we have to verify income and household and stuff like that. But the application guide, though, part is a good detailed explanation of how students do the FAFSA, the type of information that's required, and how the process works. So this is kind of like the go-to first part, and it is now available for people to download. So for those non-financial aid people out there, if you're having problems sleeping, click on the link I'll put in the show notes, download the guide, and you'll know more about financial aid than anyone else would want to ever know. Thinking about popular topics uh, like this, uh, NASFA just listed their 2021 year in review, NASFA's 10 most popular original articles. And what leads it off? An article from August 31st, 31st, I'm sorry about that, about Ed publishing verification requirements for 2022-2023 school year. And the fact that, this is what the article was talking about, the waiver that currently exists for this year where we're waiving most students who have to do this is excluded from 2022-2023. So it looks like we're back in business, back doing to uh, verification for students as we did in prior years. Other interesting articles here, changes to the 2021-22 uh, verification process. That was put in uh, in July 14th. That's when we found out about the waiver due to the continuing pandemic. Also, we had some other interesting articles here uh, looking at uh, some things that affected uh, veterans-related uh, aid and how that's treated treated a couple other things about herf 
which is the higher education emergency relief funding. That's what we think of here at the schools, at least as HERF 1, 2, and 3, because in a sense we've had three separate rounds of funding. Some might think of it as CARES funding or such, but specifically under that part of the CARES Act, and they have three different names, of course, we have HERF funding. And so one of the articles talks about uh, both HERF grants and a separate one about HERF 2 Q&A there. So on the second round of money that came out towards the end of the a calendar year last year, 2020. So I'll give you a link to these most popular articles if you miss them. Uh, they should be free to get to. I don't think you have to be a NASA member to get to the articles. Also, just f- posted recently from NASA, findings from a NASA and Oracle survey on implementation of the Consolidated Appropriations Act. This was just posted today and In short, what it is, is that this was uh, some survey results. Again, NASA has a broad base to go to. And so this was uh, an act that made some major policy changes, including FAFSA simplification. And changes, a little bit of changes to federal methodology. That's the, in a sense, formula for determining financial aid eligibility. So in summer, a work group of NASA members assisted by the Oracle Higher Ed Development Group uh, had a survey uh, seeking feedback uh, from all types of uh, higher ed institutions on the preparation for the implementation of these changes because these are the changes we've talked about over the last couple shows here and there. Uh, Things like selective service no longer being required or the question about being convicted for possessing or selling illegal drugs being an eligibility requirement. But there's other ones that are rolling out in future years. So it's a nice little report. It's only 19 pages if you want to download it. And like some of us, maybe print it out so you can read it at leisure without an electronic device. Uh, But I'm definitely going to give you a link to both of those parts. Uh, Because the page that I found it on at NASFA has a list of some other surveys they've done recently, including back in the summer a member survey on professional judgment and an, another one on verification that NASA did with uh, another group uh, seeking to evaluate solutions that would streamline and improve the verification process. So certainly worthwhile to read up on those surveys. Switching gears here, uh, found a nice article on EdSource about how challenges remain for undocumented students to tap into financial aid here in California. So maybe take you through a a little bit of history. In 2001, there was a law passed called AB 540. We've probably talked about this a bit. AB 540 was a law that allowed at least our undocumented students who met certain criteria to pay in-state rates at the public schools. Before that time, they had to pay out-of-state tuition. And usually that can be two, three, maybe even four times the normal cost of a school like a UCLA or a Cal State University like Cal State Northridge. And so this law at least allowed undocumented students, and at that time it was graduating from high school and having done three or more years of high school in California. Along with, uh, again, some other 
minor criteria, they could at least pay the in-state rate. But it wasn't until 2011 when they passed the California Dream Act, which was actually like a series of laws that opened up opportunities for state aid, including Cal Grants, our fee waiver here at community colleges, and officially to be allowed to receive scholarships. So, as it says here in the article, there are still some challenges in students getting funding and such, and sometimes getting classified properly to receive the in-state rates. So, of an estimated 92,000 undocumented students who are in public colleges and universities, according to this, only 16,000 receive Cal grants, according to data from our friends at the California Student Aid Commission. So, it's making an impact and certainly that could be because, as it says here, part of the problem is that 40% of undocumented students don't even apply for aid. So uh, that's probably uh, not too far off from most students, unfortunately, at the public schools. Because here, even at my school and a number of community colleges, where we know we have students who have high need for financial aid, they just don't apply. And trying to break through those barriers is a tough one. Probably one of these that we'll have to have a long talk with an interview on one of these Friday shows uh, to get deeper into this. So this is a very nice article, very long, covers a lot of the bases as well, the uh, possible combinations of why we see what we see here as far as students. Sometimes, again, not getting that in-state rate, and apparently it's because even the way the state law is written, there is some interpretive differences between colleges, as far as the criteria needed to meet eligibility. And same thing for the California Dream Act and the California Dream Act application, which is the form our AB 540 undocumented students fill out to apply for state aid. Just a process of that, very similar to doing a FAFSA. And if you've heard anything about the FAFSA from us and others who've done it, or if you've done it yourself, you know that can be a relatively complex form sometimes not always but sometimes as far as how to fill in the information and make sure you've got it submitted properly so that's a nice article from ed source we'll give you a link in our show notes now not directly a financial aid matter but a related article from community college daily which is from the american association of community colleges an article about time for OER. And if you haven't heard about OER, O-E-R, that is Open Educational Resources. And so uh, basically, as the article starts out, Open Educational Resources lower access barriers for students by eliminating or greatly reducing the cost of institutional materials while empowering faculty to customize and improve their materials. So what are we talking about here? We're really talking about the books and the supplies part of a student cost for going to school and what they need in the classroom. So open educational resources, in a sense, is this concept that's been around for a while and gets talked about quite a bit on my campus and others about how instructors can look beyond the normal textbook world and look for these OER items that they can put into their classroom. Maybe it's a custom-made 
ebook or a PDF document from the instructor course meeting, all the normal copyright laws and all that other stuff, but ways to, in a sense, lower the cost for students and, again, supply potentially improved and customized materials for their students. I hear too many stories from friends of my age from back in the day that we went to college many years ago, maybe decades, and having books that you had to buy because there was no internet and, you know, maybe for an English uh, or a literature class of any sort, having four or five books that you had to buy when you didn't even need them all, or maybe you could have borrowed from a library to read one excerpt part of it. So becomes an issue here. And so <clears throat> as it talks about in the article here, there's ways to get this moving on your campus, you know, by offering professional development for your faculty and staff so they understand the benefits of OER. Engaging with your students, who again, they're students. They make red, great advocates on this type of topic um, and how they can find out what's available through their student, uh, through their uh, student information systems or their bookstores about what they could do in lieu of buying all these expensive textbooks if available. Uh, finding funding on your campus to implement this, again, knowing that there may be funds available through uh, different federal or state funding um, or through your campus. You know, get the ball rolling. But it's an interesting article, and again, it kind of relates to financial aid that in a sense that instead of having to come up with money for a student, we may actually be able to lower some portion of the cost of their education. One last article here, and then we're going to breeze on through to the end of the show. Uh, I found this interesting because it's somewhat, uh, in, in, uh, you know, off the financial aid path, but related. It was an article sent to me by a friend uh, uh, out at the LAist website. That's L-A-I-S-T dot com called Prep Your College Application for UC, CSU, and More. What to do with essays, GPAs, and that optional SAT score. So although admissions is a whole different world, I think we forget sometimes in the financial aid world how complex it might be for first-time students going off to college. You know, especially when you consider community colleges. We have one straightforward application through our CCC applied channel, through our state system office. Uh, so that in a sense, we have one common application for everyone in the community colleges. But it also has its own issues at hand. It's very long, asks for a lot of information and such. But for those who are looking at four-year schools, there can be a lot of confusion on the process. So this is, was an interesting article about how here, high school seniors applying to four-year colleges and universities during the pandemic face a whole new landscape. A new planet, said Dale Lehman, University of California, Irvine's Executive Director of Undergraduate Admissions. There's a quite a bit of a title there. Uh, but it looks here, that, you know, it talks about how we have students who might be coming out of high school with pass or no pass grades instead of actual letter grades. And so it's a little hard to judge pass versus no pass. Did someone pass with an A-level work or a C-level work? So interesting things like that have to be taken into account. You know, 
un, un, uh, unusual circumstances faced by the family as far as, you know, things related to COVID, financial hardships, and again, writing up that essay or essays for schools. So <clears throat> interesting article here to understand that, yes, financial aid is its own process and uh, has quite a bit of complexity to it. But seeing many of us haven't uh, applied to college for a while, it, uh, it's an interesting read to understand the other types of challenges being presented to students just to get in the door. So I'll give you a link to the LAist and their article here. They do some pretty good and interesting things sometimes related to education. But before we roll on, I think we need a little bit of music. Just like that, we are back for the last sip segment because we can't skip out on the last sip. Or more like a slurp. Oh, well, that's the way it is. So uh, I really don't have much of it, and I, I dare you to when it comes to reading, listening to music and such. I have uh, yet to load my holiday music to my iPhone yet. And that's kind of the key kickoff for me for the season. Because then I can play it in the car, through the car play. Uh, and uh, have Christmas and holiday music from here until the end of the month. As far as the end of the month of December, because some of you probably will be listening to this. Uh, some starting on the first or later. Uh, so no real I dare you twos today. We're going to save anything we have till Friday. I'll corner Dana, make certain that she has some Maybe some interesting holiday buys for you. And I'll come up with my list too. So in that case, I'm going to say that's all we have time for today here on the show. But don't worry, there's always another episode coming along. I want to thank you, our audience, for tuning in for today's show. And again, if you have something to say or you have some topics you want us to discuss, email us at wbcsva at gmail. Com. You can find this and all What's Brewing Seaswood podcasts on Google Podcasts, your Apple Podcast app, Spotify, Andorra, iHeartRadio, and the TuneIn app on your Amazon Echo by using Alexa. What's Brewing Seaswood is a production of Studio 1051, a creative collaboration of me and Dana Yarbrough. This has been episode number 141. Recorded Tuesday, November 30th, 2021. Have a great day, everyone. And have a great week.